This is Curiosity, where WDET, the NPR station in Detroit, finds answers to your questions about everything Detroit. I'm Laura Herberg. If you've listened to us before, you might notice that we sound a little different. We took a breather during the pandemic and are back with a brand new look and sound. But don't worry, it's the same old podcast that you know and love. You ask us questions about Detroit and we report the answers. This week, we tackle a question from Warren resident Dave Gifford. He spotted a hand-painted sign near Belle Isle that was advertising corn. And we were just driving down Jefferson and just saw this this red sign that said corn real good and kind of got our curiosity going about it. Dave noticed it wasn't just the one ad, there were several of them. He wanted to know the story behind them, and so WDET's Eli Newman takes it from here. You could blink and miss them driving up the lodge or on Jefferson. But once you've seen the signs, they're hard to forget. Corn Real Good, painted in yellow bubble letters on a red background. They're scattered throughout Detroit like little breadcrumbs. And if you follow the clues all the way to the west side, you'll end up on the corner of Puritan and Normandy. Right there, that go corn man right there. Corn man right there. He here now. Corn man right here. The corn man is Orrin Fields. He walks over, his arms heavy with bags full of groceries, like cheese, tortillas, and pickled jalapenos. The buses were running late, so Fields is a little behind schedule. He heads to a row of red party tents that shade his grill and cutting board, and gets down to chopping onions. Fields has been cooking around the Martin Park and Pilgrim Village neighborhoods for seven years. The fifth-generation Detroiter says it started with some paint and a catchphrase corn real good. That was the whole slogan. That's why I put it on the sign. And when I first came out here, everyone who stopped was like, that's all you got? It's corn? I'm like, yeah. But I knew it was a way. My people ain't never had corn like this or haven't had any corn the way I was serving it. It's a cultural thing. Fields makes elotes, grilled Mexican street corn on the cob with mayonnaise, cheese, and lime. Then he tops it off with flaming hot Cheeto dust. But that's not all he cooks now. There's a tow truck driver who stops by and leaves with two hot sausages and mustard. He also cooks tacos. Despite his popularity today, Fields says he didn't always cook for a living. I used to really be into marijuana. I was growing the cannabis, right, before the law changed. As soon as the law changed, it accelerated, and it got beyond me to where I couldn't compete. So I put the cannabis down and picked up the corn. Field says in the early corn days, he would push a cart around with a grill on it. Now, he's set up outside at this makeshift park. It's a vacant lot, but the corn man made a good effort to breathe some life into it. He spray-painted little ears of corn onto wooden stumps. He set up tiki torches for when it gets dark. He's brought a generator to run his mini-fridge, and he's got an amp for music. There's a bunch of seating beanbag chairs, and colorful picnic tables adorned by plastic flowers and abstract sculptures that twist in the wind. Field says he moved everything here himself, using a shopping cart and some elbow grease. He says if he didn't take over these lots, there wouldn't be much on this block. As far as Black-owned businesses in Black neighborhoods, go up Dexter, go up Puritan, go up any of these major streets, and it's like a ghost town, like one of those old Western movies in a major city. It's all about service. Nobody's serving the neighborhood, so I stepped out here. I'm the hood ornament on the neighborhood's Cadillac. Excuse me, sir. How you doing, bro? What's up, big time? What you got today, 
besides the corn man stand and the church across the street, nothing within eyesight seems to be open around here. The liquor store down the street shut down at the beginning of the pandemic. Field says the empty lot he's on used to be a bunch of abandoned buildings and houses. And that was 30 years ago. They leveled it. And I remember in 1993 when they put the park here, when I, the year after I graduated, the trees were still little saplings. You know? Now we are big trees, just like the saplings. We grew too. Field says the McNichols Puritan Lodge Community Council used to run the park. The group also gave him and dozens of others in the area scholarships to the University of Detroit Mercy, where Fields attended. But now, it's just the corn man here. I just um, just displayed a little leadership. It only take one to form a line, just like my brother here standing, waiting for some corn. It'll be four or five other people behind him in, in a minute. And that's all I'm doing. The park looking nice. Not too many uh, neighborhoods in Detroit got a park at the end of their neighborhood like this, so we're using it, not misusing it. And people are using it. There's some guys posted up nearby with their mini bikes. One man clears trash from the garbage bins and helps Fields move his equipment. He calls himself Cornman's sidekick. Fields says the park's becoming a gathering place that offers more than just food. I feel like I'm running for office sometime because, you, you know, people start coming and supplicate to you about all type of little issues. I'm just out here, you think, selling corn. But you end up being multiple things to different people. Therapist. <laughs> what do you say, therapist? Yeah, start being a therapist. Everybody talk with him because, like I say, a real cool dude, you know? And he's easy to get along with, you know? That's John Hill. He goes by Nutty and lives nearby. He's been waiting for his alote long before the corn man showed up. He gets the first batch of the afternoon. I gotta get the review. <laughs> it's always good, it's still divine. <laughs> A few people who showed up before the cornman set up shop are circling back to order, and new ones are coming through now that it's closer to dinner. How much? How much the tacos? Marcus Wilson is on his way to his landscaping job down the street. The 14-year-old says he's a regular customer. Either early in the morning when I'm walking to school, or when I get out of school, or sometimes when I come coming from work or going to work. Uh-huh. Wilson says he's been eating at this stand for the last six years, which is almost half of his life. And that's exactly the kind of fixture Orrin Fields wants to be. The corn man on Puritan says he wants to craft an experience. I, I want to be the neighborhood icon, somewhere for them to stop, like we had somewhere to stop. I'm bringing back the mom and pop. Hey, that rhyme. I want somewhere to stop, bring back the mom and pop. Hey, that's all right right there, somewhere to stop. Fields has big plans for the future. He wants to set up a brick-and-mortar shop close by for the winters. In the meantime, you can find him outside, behind the grill, shucking corn and holding down the block. That was WDET's Eli Newman. He answered a question submitted by listener Dave Gifford. In just a minute, we're going to get the -the behind-the-scenes scoop on reporting this story from Eli Newman. But first, we've got to take a quick break. As newsrooms across the country close their doors, independent and unbiased journalism is more crucial than ever. We rely on you, just like you rely on us. This spring fundraiser, join us in protecting public media. Your support keeps us thriving. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap donate in our mobile app. 
As promised, joining me now is WDET's Eli Newman. He's going to spill all the tea about this episode. So, Eli, you did a great job of profiling Orrin Fields' operation selling corn on what would otherwise be a vacant lot. But I do have a few questions for you. First of all— I want to hear them, Laura. First of all, did you try the corn? I have some bad news to our listeners. I did not try the corn. No, Eli. I know. I'm a bad reporter. I don't know if you're a bad reporter, but like maybe a bad human being. Why didn't you try the corn? It's not that I didn't want to. It's just I didn't really have time to. What? This is the lamest excuse I've ever heard. I'm sorry. Um, So let's talk about Oren, though. Mm -hmm. Um, He is quite the talker. Yes, Um, Were there some things that he said that didn't make the cut? I mean, I did a couple of interviews with him. One, you know, before I checked him out before I came swinging my microphone. And then obviously the the interview that that listeners heard. But he talked about um, this uh, kind of recapturing this time in Detroit or specifically this time uh, on Belle Isle um, where things, um, I guess, had a different vibe to it, right? And I think more specifically, uh, you know, a black vibe. And I think that was something that he, you know, felt was missing from the city, you know, in recent years where we've seen a lot more gentrification. He also spoke about gentrification and how that's actually been a a force that's um, actually pushed a lot more customers in his direction. So he got, well, I spoke with like a lot of people who were like in the neighborhood. Oren spends a lot of time going to all kind of different corners of the city where there's a lot of traffic and he doesn't have a car. He, he brings like these big wooden signs that he's painted, you know, all throughout the city by using like public transit. So he clearly wants to capture a, a pretty wide net and, and create this kind of air of mystery and of excitement and so he's got like a lot of white customers. So he spoke about, you know, this kind of changing dynamic that's going in the city, but how generally how it was an exciting time for him to kind of, you know, uh, bring, bring something that felt originally Detroit. Did you worry at all about in choosing this story and then me saying, yeah, go with that, um, that there might be some adverse effects to highlighting his operation? Absolutely. It was a a major concern that I had, Laura. Um, I think it's kind of evident for anybody who who listens to the story that uh, Oren is operating an unregistered uh, food truck or a food cart, really. And I think in a city that is increasingly regulating life um, within neighborhoods, within its businesses, yeah, putting a, a guy like this, you know, on blast on in the media was definitely a concern. And I still don't know what the effect of that will be. And I think that's that's often, I think, the the um, struggle we have sometimes as journalists is in telling these stories. On, on the other hand, Oren's a guy who's put his signs all around town. He's not really keeping his thing a secret. It's only, but the thing is, it's only there for people who ask. Before I let you go, is there anything else that you want to tell the listeners about what you learned while reporting this story? I also didn't get into this in, in the tape, where, but he talked a lot about being a, a military kid and, and living in different areas in the country. 
um, before settling, you know, settling into Detroit in his teenage years. But, you know, that he he grew up, spent a lot of time in California, and I think he was ex- exposed to a lot of, like, Latinx culture and um, his ability to kind of, like, draw upon that, you know, in his little corner of Detroit was something that I thought was pretty cool because, yeah, you, you, you're in that area. I mean, like a lot of Detroit, it is a predominantly black neighborhood. The way that, that's something he says early on is that the way that he is making this court is not a way that um, his people, meaning black people, are, are in, his, in his understanding at least, we're just like not really used to. Thanks so much for speaking with me, Eli. Thank you, Laura. Have you ever stopped by to try the corn real good corn? Know of another entrepreneur in Detroit doing something similar with a different food? Let us know. Call 313-403-5747 and leave us a voicemail or record a voice memo on your phone and email it to us at curiosity at wdet.org. Didn't catch that? You can find the number and our email in the show notes. I want to remind you that you can actually submit your very own question to us. Tell us what's got you curious about Detroit. Ask your question by going to wdet.org slash curious. The link is also in our show notes. Okay, we're about to wrap this thing up. But before we go, I do want to give you a sneak peek of what lies ahead for Curiosity. Coming up in a future episode, Planet Detroit's Nina Ignazic takes us to a very old spot in Detroit. As we get deeper into the woods, the trail starts climbing in elevation. This is just kind of the topography that I was talking about of this, the ridge of this yeah. old lakeshore. There's a shallow drop-off behind us now as we reach high ground. Dan tells us that we're ascending a beach ridge formed at the end of the last ice age. Find out where that is in Detroit in a future episode of Curiosity. And so you don't miss it, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. And if you like us, please be sure to rate us. It will help others find us and in turn help Detroit's public radio station. Well, that's going to have to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening to Curiosity. I'm Laura Herberg, and I edited and produced this episode. Thanks to Dave Gifford for having the question and to reporter Eli Newman for reporting and producing the answer. Mixing and mastering for Curiosity is done by Sam Bobian and Connor Anderson. Our music is by Will Sessions. Special thanks to David Lyons for production support. Jerome Bond is the WDET News Director. Our digital team is Dorothy Hernandez and Sophia Joswiak. And finally, shout out to WBEZ's Curious City for giving us a heaping dose of inspiration to start this podcast. We'll catch you next time. And until then, keep your eyes and ears open. You never know when you'll come across a good curiosity question here in Detroit. 